0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: It's your true faith, Newcastle United podcast. Uh, Alex Hurst here talking. Um, and this week's pod uh, is a recording from the live. Zoom meeting held by the Newcastle United Supporters' Trust for its members and hosted by the excellent George Colkin. Uh, the meeting took place over Zoom on Friday gone and the event was called Unite the Fanbase uh, and it was a response to the huge surge in membership um, within the Supporters' Trust amongst Newcastle United supporters as the Supporters' Trust seeks transparency and clarification through the Premier League um, for their actions regarding the, at the minute, um, failed takeover bid of Niklas United by Amanda Stavely, the Rubin Brothers and the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia. I just want to say a personal thank you as an organiser to George and everyone who attended and joined the meeting. There was some great questions, great discussion, but you know that, or you will know that, because you're about to hear all that coming up. So if you haven't already, Please join the Trust, nearly 6,000 new members since last Thursday, I think. And we have got a lot more going on in the coming days. Uh, We need your voice. We need you to be part of it. Um, You'll be hearing more from me and Greg Tomlinson from the Trust Board on this call, which was recorded for you. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, you like what we do, please give us a positive review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts if that's your platform of choice. that really helps us. We'll be back with lots more Newcastle United-based content uh, in the coming weeks. Cheers.
2: Hello and welcome to tonight's Town Hall organised by the Newcastle United Supporters Trust. My name is George Culkin, I'm a writer for The Athletic and I'm your host tonight. This is the second Town Hall that has been held by and for Newcastle fans over the last few months. The first was organised by Xi Onwura, the MP for Newcastle Central, and we'd like to thank Xi and her team for their huge assistance in setting up tonight's meeting. She can't be with us uh, tonight and apologises for that, but wants us to know that when Parliament restarts, she'll be presenting a written petition calling for transparency and accountability from the Premier League. And that, of course, is partially the reason we're here tonight. That first town hall was about the takeover of Newcastle and the issues surrounding it. Parts of that meeting were very painful and very uncomfortable, but it was also, I believe, very important. What shone through that night was the respect, intelligence and passion of Newcastle fans, a willingness to listen and engage. What also shone through was the enormous desire for meaningful change at St James's Park. I don't think many of us who were present for that meeting thought we'd be here now. The takeover, or the lack of it, is the backdrop for this evening. People want answers. They want to know why it hasn't happened. They want communication. They want to understand. And there's a bigger story, too, which this taps into. Why are fans always the last people to know, to be heard or spoken to? Whether it's VAR inside a stadium, Matches being moved to accommodate TV, the big decisions in football, the very people who own our clubs. Why don't we have a say? Why are we never told? Why is it okay to treat us with contempt? And when did we become so powerless? I'd like to paint a picture. For obvious reasons, this is a difficult image. But let's put ourselves inside St James's Park for a moment. It's St James's Park on match day. There's a decision you don't like, a bad tackle or a misplaced pass, and you rise to your feet and you shout. How many people hear your individual voice? Is it 10? Is it 20? Is it 50? And I know this is romantic, but let's think about those days and nights when St. James's is full of rage or full of love. How does it feel when 50,000 people are on their feet celebrating or condemning the same thing? Is there anywhere better? Is there anywhere more elemental? When your voice is amplified, when your voice is part of 50,000 voices, it's heard in the dugout, it's heard in the director's box, it's heard on Northumberland Street, and because of the way the Premier League is televised and reported, your voice is heard around the world. That is the raw beauty of a club, and that is the point of a supporters' trust. You don't have to agree about everything and how could you, but when you agree about one thing or two things or three and you all speak together, your voice will be heard. When your voice is amplified by 10,000 others, by 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, the louder your voice becomes. And I know that people say this is football and this is Newcastle, we can't change anything. And we all know that argument, because if we're being honest, we've all felt it. It's not about us anymore. It's about the television money. And that's also true, except for one thing. Where does that television money come from? It's from your wallet and it's from mine. Now, in the last week or so, we've seen the power of the fan base coming together. We've seen a petition calling for greater transparency from the Premier League climb above 93,000 signatures. We've seen the trust write to every Northeast MP and encourage fans to to do the same. Over 6,500 letters have been emailed. 28 email, uh, MPs have responded positively. This is your voice, amplified. I've also got another example, and a, the following is a message from Amanda Stavely, which she has asked to be read out tonight. And she says... I would like to thank the Newcastle United Supporters Trust and all Newcastle fans for their incredible backing and huge efforts over the past few days and beyond. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Speaking on behalf of myself and my husband, the Rubin family, and the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia, we are not just overwhelmed by your support, we are humbled by it. Our group has received emails and messages in the thousands, and I can't begin to tell you what that means to us. We do not take it for granted. We understand that a strong supporters' trust means a strong Newcastle. And we understand and have seen again just how powerful and beautiful a united Newcastle can truly be. Thank you again, Amanda. To repeat, this is your voice amplified. Okay, thank you very much. That's enough from me. So I... Want to explain uh, the format a little bit, and it's going to be as follows: I'll introduce a few speakers who will talk about the trust, and then we'll have an open floor discussion. Now, to make a point or to ask a question, please use the Zoom comment function, and we'll—I promise you—we'll do our very best to get to you. Um, please have patience with us, everybody here has a day job. And everybody else is a volunteer. So, we're going to try and do this on a first come, first served basis. And so, we'll start now with a few words from Alex Hurst, the chair of the Newcastle United Supporters Trust. Over to you, Alex.
1: Thank you, George, and tremendously well said. Uh, thanks again to you for for hosting this and thanks again to Chionura and her staff who've who allowed us to use this this platform to speak to you all and it's something that me and the the other board members of the Trust have wanted to do for a long time to be able to engage with people in in such a significant manner and uh, thank you to everybody for, for spending your Friday night it's it's much nicer out, outside than it is indoors in much of the UK and yet here we all are together talking about Newcastle United it's been quite the week to put it mildly um since the, the bad news t- to many supporters last Thursday um, I think I've seen the, the fans of Newcastle United come together in the way in my 20 odd years supporting the club that I've never seen before and we were presented with a challenge last Thursday as a fan base um, we're going to either accept it and move on and and not seek answers and, and, and just get back to the,
3: oh.
1: uh, the deity of, of, of the club Um or we could fight, or we could try and unite for once to get answers from people who owe us answers. And the supporters trust our message has been clear, and we aren't demanding anything of anyone in terms of approving deals or going into to, to details about football or, or corruption or all that kind of stuff. What, what we want is some transparency. I don't think that's a lot to ask, and many of you on the call now had a hell of a time in the past 17 weeks, people worried about all sorts beyond football, about getting the money back from Newcastle United and about the future of the football club, which means so much to us. Um, and what I've seen in the last week is an organisation and a bond between supporters that that I don't think I've seen in a long, long time. Personally, as a trust, Tag. we've gained more than 4,000 new members, uh, which is massive. Tag. And we've got over you know 7,000 people emailing their local MPs Hello, mate. What, what's this about? I, I can't understand how to turn it off. Just going to stop uh, talking for a sec. I've got some interference. There.
4: Hello, Matthew.
1: There we're gone. Silence. Get in. <laughs> wouldn't be a wouldn't be any Cast United event without there being a major hitch. So we'll crack on uh, where I left off. Yes. Yeah, so seven thousand people have got in touch with MPs across the United Kingdom. And what, I, what I'm proud about about that is that this this is organisation and this takes effort. To all of you people watching who got involved and got in touch with an MP, you've done something. It's not about sitting here complaining. What we're often, um, you know, in, in the media, we're often belittled. We're often belittled as demanding, hysterical. You know, I could I could go into worse um, characterisations of Newcastle United fans. And what I've seen in the last week is fans organise. Fans get busy. Fans think, "Hang on, where are the people most impacted by this decision?" Most of us live in the region, um, live in the region uh, which is impacted by this decision, and we're going to demand answers. And for 20 out of 29 so far, northeast MPs to come and support the supporters' trust in our effort for Premier League transparency. That means a hell of a lot. And- everyone who's helped make that happen uh, you're a credit to Newcastle United and you're a credit to the Northeast and and the feedback that we've had from MPs and we're hoping to hear from some of those MPs on this call is that yes this matters and, and it transcends football this isn't just about football this is about the region in the Northeast it's not just about Newcastle United it's not even just about the city of Newcastle you know two million people live in this region and for us to, to come together to try and get the answers from a from an organization in the Premier League who who basically, according to one person, quite high up in government I spoke to on this, called them a law unto themselves. And for, for MPs, not just in the North East, but in Oxford, in Cumbria, in the South East, in London, to, to write to the Premier League and, and write to government saying none of these fans deserve answers. Those things would not have happened without you and without other support coming together um, to try and achieve something. Um, as you all know, and most of you will know as supporters, trust members, I spoke to Amanda Stavry at the weekend, and the statement she's just read out there from George echoes the kind of thing that she said to me. What I took away from that conversation was, one, her willingness and eagerness to support to support and talk to you, not me, to you, the members of the supporters' trust. It wasn't a private conversation. It was a conversation about me. It was a message for you. And the fact that we had someone, regardless on your opinion of the takeover, and I'd imagine because our members are so pro-takeover that you're all very pleased to hear from her. She was passionate about the city of Newcastle-upon-Tyne the football club, but also about you, about us. It's been so long, and, and you know I speak to Newcastle United occasionally, the people who are in the club at the minute, and to hear someone talk about us, not as a hindrance, not as someone that affects the team's performance or, or unhappy or, or a problem like the national media often describes us, but as, as the reason they were buying the club or trying to buy the club, that filled me with a lot of hope, and hope isn't something that we've had a lot of over the past 13 years. So I'll leave it there and hand it back to George. I just want to say thank you for joining us. Thank you to everybody who is part of, of the Supporters Trust. Together we're stronger. Together we are making our voices heard, um, and I think we're just getting started. So keep up the great work, everybody. Thanks from me.
2: Thank you very much, Alex. Um, and next, uh, before I go to the next speaker, it's just to, uh, just to repeat that once our speakers have done, if you would like to ask a question or just make a point yourself, um, please use the chat function on Zoom. Yes, I'm just making sure i got that right. Please use the chat function on Zoom. Uh, next up, uh, I'd like to ask Greg Tomlinson, also from the Trust, to say a few words, please, Greg.
5: Thank you very much, George. And thank you, everybody, for joining us today. So I'm also one of the board members of the Trust and uh, absolutely delighted actually today uh, as well to announce a new initiative that we've been working on and that we're really pleased to launch uh, today. So uh, as things have, have progressed over the last few weeks, our membership has gone up, um, a further three or 4,000 members, and we're looking at around 14,000 members now. And as has been explained, the, the Newcastle United Supporters Trust exists to provide a way for fans to get their voice heard. It's run by an elected board and operates in an open and transparent manner, as you all know, but we exist fundamentally for the members and everything we do is for the benefit of our members. And as that increases, the board recognizes the need for further direct member involvement in the running of the trust, to ensure we represent our members in the best way that we can, and to ensure that we as an organization make the best use of the diverse skills and knowledge amongst our members. So we're delighted today to launch what is going to be called the NUST Council. It's open to all members and it will interact directly with the board to assist in setting the priorities and directions of the trust, as well as getting involved in the day to day running of our campaigns and initiatives. It will meet at least once a month, initially via video conference, given these current times, but hopefully one day we we can sit in a room together. board members will also attend. We'll form subgroups and task groups will be formed that we can work on specific projects once they're agreed reporting back through the board. It's a great way to have a direct influence on the running of the trust and all the information will be made available on our website shortly after this meeting. But it's really important that we get all of your help and assistance to build an even greater voice and a more influential trust. The application form will be on the website. Uh, Applications due in by the end of of August, sorry, um, end of Friday, the 21st of August, so two weeks today. But this is a really great opportunity to really strengthen what we can do for our members. So we're really looking forward to to having some more of you on board and helping us really drive the trust forward. Thank
2: you. Thank you, Greg. Um, So just as I I can see that some questions are coming in on the chat thing, they're coming down uh, on my screen. Just to make the point again, we would love you to speak. We would love to hear from you um it will be an open discussion so if you have points that you would like to make using your own human mouth um that would be wonderful um and so what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and uh, get a list together and then I can call on you at the right time so um I can't sort of respond to questions that are coming down on the chat, chat function what we want to do is have a have a chat to you in person so please don't be shy this is this is the point of tonight's exercise. Um, Next up, we have Mary Glinden MP. Do we have Mary on the line, please? Perhaps we do
3: not... Yes, I'm here. Oh, great. It's no, <laughs> Just, just getting in there. Uh, hello, everyone. Thank you, George. Uh, I, I definitely agree you have to get people to ask questions in person because trying to watch that chat line when you're chairing a meeting with such, a, a, I think there's a, a 200, and there 300 people on now, um, wouldn't be the easiest thing to do. Um, I'm Mary Clinton. I'm the MP for North Tyneside. I'm a season ticket holder at Newcastle together with my husband. Um, and um, I'm also, I think, a member of the Trust. Well, uh, mind, I haven't paid any fees for a few years, so somebody might come after me after uh, after this meeting. Um, can I just say well done to uh, the Trust for the fantastic organisation that's already been referred to? Um, as of about 4.30 this evening, since the 2nd of August, I've had 519 uh, emails Unprecedented, really, for any campaign in the last 10 years I've been an MP, um, from supporters and perhaps one or two others, um, well, just members of the public in North Tyneside, who are disillusioned, frustrated, um, and looking for those direct answers from the Premier League. And I think it's a disgrace to think that the Premier League is made up of the clubs in the Premier League and that Newcastle should be treated so abysmally is a disgrace. Uh, and I, I was glad to hear um, on the, uh, the news late before on, on my computer that the Prime Minister has added his voice to say that the Premier League should now be making a statement. Um, I hope that's not just a little bit of um It's not just him, Dickney's torn the water, um, but he will come and be more of a support because I think, as the comments were made, if the Premier League can't take notice of the person who's running the country, who will they take um, heed of? Hopefully, the thousands and thousands of fans and supporters um, of Newcastle United and the, the earnest desire they all have to see our club succeed and to see that reflect that success reflected um in the region, whether it be through regeneration, whether it's through um how people feel um and help people through this hard time. I think there's there's been times when I've been at Newcastle United and I've just looked around Gonna get a bit emotional here, and just watch people and thought it's a hard hard-earned pass to spend to come here to see a good game of football, and just to look at people and 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 as as George said before, you know that united voice. It's the most amazing feeling to see people um, either all up together or all down together, but but united. And and this, um, sadly, it's a shame that. The, the, the trust getting so much prominence because that's of what's happening at the moment Um because you do a fantastic job and you have done for for a number of years now but can I see that whoever uh, my colleagues are on here and I, I think we're here to to listen and um, we've already shown our support in your um, request to contact um, Mr Masters and to seek answers and, and more transparency about what's been happening and then to see how we can all move forward and what else we can do um, and I look forward to hearing from uh, from supporters and trust members this evening and hope we have a, a very good meeting and thanks to everyone who's made it possible.
2: Thank you Mary that's, uh, that's fabulous thank you very much um, Right, I would now like to call upon Ian Pearson from United with Pride to say a few words, please. Are you there, Ian? Do we have Ian Pearson ready to speak to us? Not as yet, I'm... Going to hang about for a minute or two until we have Ian. Ian Pearson, are you there? Maybe, shall I move on to the next speaker? Um, okay, I'm going to go to uh, Steve Wraith of Newcastle Legends. If, uh, if Steve is there, are you
6: there, Steve? Yes, good evening, George, and good evening, everybody who uh, is watching. Um, thanks for the opportunity once again to speak. Uh, wow, what a 17-week period we've had. Um, what have we learned in that time? We've learned that Mike Ashley finally wants to sell Newcastle United, which I think is news that uh, was you know, welcomed by every Newcastle United fan around the world. We only found out last week via Lee Charnley But at least we know he wants to sell now, which I think is an extreme positive uh, from this horrendous situation that we found ourselves in over lockdown. Uh, What else have we learned? We've learned that some journalists have used the opportunity to uh, use our anxiety through this 17 week period as clickbait by misleading Newcastle United fans. George obviously accepted um, which is a, which has been annoying for Newcastle fans, and and it's been a situation which has been manipulated, of course, by circumstance. But I feel that some of the journalists will, you know, and should hang their heads in shame. Uh, what else have we learned? We've learned that Amanda Staveley is a woman of her word. In two thousand and seventeen, when I met Amanda at Newcastle United, and you know, got a chance to speak to her and her husband at that Liverpool game, and. Tell her about the football club that we all know and love. She fell in love with the club. She told me that she was going to come back and try and buy Newcastle United. Well, here we are in 2020 and she hasn't given up. I think that says a lot about Amanda Staveley. And those words that have been read out by George so eloquently at the start tell you a lot about Amanda, PCP and her you know, consortium of the Rubens and, of course, the majority shareholder should the deal go through PIF. This is a genuine bid. This is a real bid. And this isn't anybody who's a tyre kicker. Mike Ashley's also accepted that with the brief statement that we had last week from Lee Charnley that never say never about the deal. And, you know, essentially that this is the deal that he wants to go through. So again, that's another positive for Newcastle United fans to, to take in. What else have we learned? We've learned that should this deal go through, this isn't just about Football. This is about investment in the area. This is about investment in Newcastle and the surrounding areas. This is a deal which could transform our city for the better. And that's the reason I think now we're seeing this become not a football debate, which is what we all enjoy down the pub with our friends, family and mates, but it's also now a political debate. Something which a lot of us probably didn't want it to be, but it's now at the highest level. It's now reached Downing Street. And with this petition now sitting at round about 94,000, or just short of, that extra push tonight should see it to 100,000. And that is going to make one big difference. It's going to give us the opportunity then for the Prime Minister, who's already been acknowledging this via his constituents, uh, that this, this needs looking at, this needs investigating. And from our perspective, that can only be a good thing. Because the 2020 hide-and-seek champion, Richard Masters, for me, is culpable. He is very culpable in this whole situation. I think we've directed our annoyance and anger towards the Premier League in a respectful way. And I think that, for me, has you know, shown Newcastle United support and shown us for what we are. We're loyal fans, but we're very sensible and we're very intelligent fans. And I think as a fan base, it's something which I've said for a long time. And as a former trust board member and a current trust member, unity is strength. And it's something that me and many other supporters have have pushed for many years. Sometimes we've been laughed at, sometimes we've been told it's a waste of time. But I think what we've seen certainly over the last seven to ten days is that what we've been preaching for a while now is is very true. And to hear Greg Tomlinson say that the membership of the trust now is at 14,000 there or thereabouts, I think tells you now that a lot of people are coming around that way of thinking. And yes, you know, not everyone's going to get on. We're not all going to have the same ideas. That's why there's so many different fans groups out there. You know, we'll never always agree on who should be filling the number nine shirt either or, or who, who should be in the dugout as, as head coach or manager. But from our perspective, you know, we, we can work together when there's a common goal. And this common goal really should be now to help Mike Ashley facilitate the deal of this club by about what means we can and to help PCP, the Rubens and of course PIF take over Newcastle United Football Club. Keep up the good work. If you haven't joined the trust, I would advise you to do so. I'm a member and I know a lot of people obviously tonight uh, watching will you know be debating whether to become a member. Become a member of the trust. You know It doesn't cost you a fortune and you you know you become part of a huge body which can make a difference. Thanks, George.
2: Thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. Um okay, I can see Ian Pearson on my screen. So I'm looks like you're unmuted. So um away you go, Ian, please, from United with Pride. Hmm. I can see you waving, I can see you're unmuted. Is your volume turned up? Right, I think we're still having a few few issues with Ian here. This is a shame. All right, I'm gonna move on, Ian. We haven't forgotten you, we'll try and come back to you. Um, If I say we'll get our technical whiz kids to have a look at this, I'd I'd be lying because um, we don't have any. Um, But uh, we'll give it a go. Right. Is Mick Martin from True Faith ready to chat to us, please? Mick, are you there? Oh, joyful. Are you here, Mick? Not yet. Right. Okay. so I'm going to now move on to our first speaker from the floor. So, This is just to say this is part of what we want to do tonight is that we do want to hear your voice uh, live um, and hear what you think about the trust and what's happening at the moment. So uh, please use the the chat function to say you'd like to speak and we'll try our best to get to you. All right, so I'm going to uh, ask Nathan Thomas to speak to the world. Please, third time, Lucky. Please, third time, Lucky. Nathan, are you there?
7: Can you hear me? Oh, yes brilliant <laughs> uh, yeah I, I just wanted to, to ask really um obviously um the trust and and yourself George has spoken to Amanda and had that kind of dialogue with with her and we've been encouraged as fans to kind of group together and to do what we've done over the past week um I think as a as a trust member and as a fan I kind of like to know if also what or even if even if we, you, you guys know what how they're sort of matching what we're doing. Cause obviously we're we're putting a lot of sort of time and effort into doing what we're doing to, you know, for the, for the good of the club. But I think it would be nice if there was some sort of transparency, whether they can do or not, obviously it's a, it's a tentative process that they're going through, but um, I just wondered what, if they have like a, a kind of like end goal to this and what their, what their plans are, if they've sort of shared any with us at all.
2: Okay. Thank you, Nathan. I think, what I'll do is I'll say a few words and then I might ask Alex to come back on, if that's okay, Alex. Um, obviously, Alex is muted at the minute, so I'll just say a few words. I mean, we're in a very strange situation. I think we can all acknowledge that, where the, the, the bidders have officially pulled out. And yet they, and indeed the club, in the, in the statement that we've seen from the club, are all still committed to it. Now that's that's a that's a peculiar situation. And when uh, I spoke to Amanda Stavely for the interview I did when it uh, kind of fell apart, she called on fans, she did call on fans to uh, make presentations to the Premier League. and of course that's happened. From my perspective, the way I look at it is that it's it's moved to a different sphere. So instead of being done through the Premier League, which should uh, for for reasons which, they've spoken about on the record, uh, had, had kind of ground to a halt. It now feels like it's become a political bid and that the pressure is being applied in a political forum. Now, whether at the end of it anything happens in relation to the takeover, I simply don't know and I couldn't tell you. And again, as a very, very old and cynical um, Newcastle fan, I've kind of told myself that that's the end of it, but that's just my, that's my, that's, that's how I feel um, sane and come out of this feeling at all sane, and I don't think I feel sane at all, but how I come out of it feeling sane. But if others have a different view, I completely accept that. For me, for me, the important thing is, is that if at the end of this, all that's positive out of it is that the trust has a bigger voice and more members and a loud voice and has shown, has shown all of us just what it can do and what it can be, then I, I take that as a, as a victory. It's perhaps not the victory that we might have wanted or, or expected or thought about a few weeks ago, but is a very powerful and positive thing. So, again, it's a takeover that is over and is not over. It's a takeover that has been withdrawn and that people are still committed to that's Newcastle for you, try making some sense out of it. Um, I'm now going to ask Alex to say a few words if you'd like to contribute to Nathan's question.
1: Yeah, um, thanks Gavin, great question. Uh, from a supporters trust perspective, there is only so much that we can achieve in, in even right now and you know, next week we have a plan for this cross-party letter to go out from Conservatives, from Labour. We have hopefully... We'll have all 20 of the 29 MPs so far who've pledged their support of Premier League transparency. Both Conservative and Labour MPs have, have told me they will sign the letter and ask their colleagues to. Um, so, in terms of what we can achieve as a trust, I think I think that getting it to that level and and, and making the country aware really of what's gone on, because outside of Newcastle and the North East, yes, it's a story. Newcastle United are always news. But in terms of what the, the region has potentially lost here, and also the, the, the behaviour of the Premier League in terms of the lack of transparency and communication, um, th- that needs to be a story because th- that's the only way we're going to get answers. Um, there isn't some sort of grand master plan. We often look to members for ideas for what the members want to do. So, for example, Greg spoke before about the NUST Council. Um, you know, Saturday night, 6.59pm, before I spoke to Amanda Staveley, there wasn't this, you know, plan that we've enacted in the what, six days since. It, it's kind of very much take feedback, go from there. You know, we're a member organisation. We have to follow what the members want, regardless of what anyone on the board thought about the takeover. 96.7% of our members backed it. So therefore the position of the supporters trust is to follow the members. So, so what happens next or beyond this is probably very much up to people like you, Gavin. Um, so... Yeah, there isn't some grand master plan or strategy. We've we've done what we can and I think we've been fairly successful as that as a as a trust and as a membership. Um, you know, if 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 the worst happens in terms of the takeover and and we're we're back round the table with Lee Charlie when whenever we're allowed back into workplaces and stuff like that and back into Newcastle United, then we're gonna be stronger for that with fourteen thousand members as opposed to ten and counting. So from from us it's 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 continually trying to grow, it's continually trying to make our voice as a support louder, more consistent, um, and one that's, that's harder to ignore.
2: Thank you, Alex. Yes, just to, and what I also meant to say at the start, of course, is, is just to repeat uh, from the comments I made at the start, there was nothing wrong with asking for transparency from football, from the people who run your club or from the people who run Leeds. Um, it's time that we were spoken to with a human voice, There's nothing wrong with pressing for communication. At the end of this, if the Premier League feel obliged to say something and it's not what we want to hear, then at least they've spoken and at least we know and at least we understand. At the moment, supporters are the last people to hear anything. They're the last people to find out. And that's why this, in my opinion, is a brilliant cause. Right, Ian Pearson,
8: are you on the line? Can you hear us, George? Yes, yes, get in. Fantastic, right. Uh, apologies for not being around earlier, I don't know what happened. Uh, right, so my name's Ian Pearson-Brown, I am a volunteer for NUFC, I've got about the longest um, uh, titles going. I'm chair of United with Pride, the LGBTQ plus inclusive fans group. I'm a United as one ambassador for Newcastle United. Uh, I'm also an advocate for the mental health campaign, Be Game Change, run by the Foundation. I've been in regular contact with club officials throughout this entire process, and I'd just like to say a few words. First of all, United with Pride would like to thank NUST for giving our group a voice on this platform tonight. I'm sad to report that at United with Pride we were subjected to a significant spike in online homophobic abuse when the news of the takeover first broke in March. We liken it to the rise in hate crime following the EU referendum when a minority of NUFC fans and other fans of other clubs took the opportunity to bombard our online accounts with suggestions like the half-time entertainment will be the me- our members being stoned or hanged and other such banter. Um, it was all very tasteless and it all needed to be dealt with. It was always going to be an awkward conversation for us um, if new owners came from a country with a poor record for LGBTQ plus rights. So ourselves and club officials had to spend a significant amount of time preparing for further issues should a takeover occur and the abuse to continue. In the last four months, the club, I would say, have been paralysed into a state of inertia with more than 70 percent of its staff still on furlough. Likely due in part to the fact that we've been on the verge of sale for so long. Unable to plan ahead and on a skeletal workforce. A good example of how we know this is how long it took them to sort out the refunds compared to other clubs. This would be manageable if the Premier League's owners and directors tests had lasted the standard two to four weeks. However, 16 weeks without a decision has added to many stresses and strains for the fans, the volunteers and the staff at NUFC. It comes as a relief to us that club officials are now able to plan with us for future visibility projects again, something we were doing yesterday. We are aware that we are one of many community projects that rely on the support of NUFC and the foundation staff. For example, many of you know that there is a mental health campaign called Be a Game Changer currently running through the foundation. I believe the lengthy process of the owners and directors test by the Premier League and the lack of decision making will have had a significant impact on the mental health of many staff, volunteers and fans at NUFC and the wider community. In a year when there's been a mental health crisis in a region where suicides are disproportionately high. To put an institution that is part of the fabric of Northeast culture into a state of paralysis for this length of time without any explanation begs the question, why? So yesterday, our committee agreed to write a letter to the Premier League highlighting our concerns as a community voluntary group linked to NUFC. I must emphasise it is not in our interest to comment on who should own NUFC. Regardless of who owns or manages the club, at whatever level of the game we play at, our work is to eradicate homophobia, biphobia and transphobia from the game and that will continue. However, we feel we have legitimate questions of the Premier League and its processes when it impacts on our ability to deliver our action plan. Therefore, we would encourage supporters from all sections of our fan base to join us and back their scrutiny and transparency of the Premier League's role in this process. I'd like to finish by asking everyone who's on this call to be a rainbow ally by challenging homophobia, biphobia and transphobic rhetoric and banter wherever you see it in football. Challenge it, call it out directly, and report it to us if you're unsure. Um, thanks for your time, George. That's great.
2: Thank you very much indeed, Ian. Well worth the wait. Um, thank you very much. Okay. Um, so I'm going to now ask, I'm going to try for Mick Martin again. Mick Martin from True Faith. Are you on the line, Mick? This is like the Eurovision Song Contest, but without the bad singing. No, we don't have Mick. Are you there, Mick? We do not have Mick. So I'm now going to go across to my friend and colleague, and I hope I will catch him under, catch him unawares. Mark Douglas are you, from The Chronicle. Are you here, Mark? I am indeed. Hi, George. How are you doing? Oh, thank goodness. I'm OK. Thank you.
9: How's it going? Swimmingly. <laughs> so um, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think this week has been absolutely unprecedented um, in my time covering Newcastle United. And I, I don't think I've ever known a situation where um, supporters have been as united behind one thing uh, as this. I think what's noticeable is it does feel to me like it's the first time that there has been um, something actually practical that Newcastle fans can do in the last two to three years. I mean, we've actually seen. Um, I think this this week something that I, I don't think has been commented on on enough. Really, that actually there seems to be a consensus now that Mike Ashley does want to sell the football club, and I think fans should really pat themselves on the back a little bit for that. Because although there's been some um, there's been some uh, people who've, who've maybe criticised and, and not been sure about the strategy. I think all of the different ways that people have in, have engaged with the idea of trying, of trying to get something better for Newcastle United, so whether it's been protests, whether it's been sort of uh, just withdrawing their support or whether it's been uh, even joining the NUST, I think we've seen now that, that that's slow pressure, which, which, you know, I think it hasn't been some big bang where Mike Ashley's necessarily come out and sold the club uh, because of a protest or whatever, but it has been a slow um, constructive pressure, and I think what why that's relevant to this is that uh, we're now seeing, uh, I think over this last week, a really constructive pressure on the Premier League. And look, not everybody um, necessarily who's even writing the um, who's, who's writing the letters, not everybody who's who's behind this idea that there should be transparency, is necessarily behind um, the idea of Saudi uh, investment in Newcastle United. I think we just heard from the last speaker, you know, that there, that there are things that obviously we we have to we have to question, we have to look at. But I think we can all agree that we need some transparency. We need to know what is going on here with the Premier League. I think there's some been some really valid questions. And what's what's been really noticeable, I think that George, you know, myself, you know, we, we, we try to lead from the front where we can in terms of writing about Newcastle because we get the access that, that, that obviously gives us a bit more insight. But we've seen some incredible contributions by supporters as well here. And and I think what's, what's really noticeable, what makes our job easier, Is when you have something like the trust and 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 you know, Alex does some fantastic work, but it's not just Alex, it's other other supporter groups as well. It makes our job easier because we're not we're not necessarily having to come up with different ways of of representing the supporters. We're just listening, writing, you know, telling your story as much as anything. And I think what's really been um what's really been interesting for me this week is you know, it's been one of the easier weeks to cover Newca- for Newcastle United in, in many ways because everything's come to us. Um, you know, the, the Trust have done some fantastic work and we've been banging the drum for the Trust for a long time, even when, you know, people were, people were not sure about it. And and I think what's really uh, what, what's really interesting for me is that, you know, that, that, that has been organic. Um, there's also been, uh, you know, engagement from the groups. I know George has spoken, you know, to, to the group, you know, more than me, but I'd be looking to, to kind of, have some shared insight now into, into what, they're, what they're looking to do as well. And I think this idea of pressure is, uh, is a really interesting tactic. There's no guarantee that it's going to work. But this whole process, I think, has been so badly mismanaged by the Premier League in terms of just shutting down um, explanations. It is one thing that I think we can, you know, we can all get behind, this idea that there should be some transparency. And I just don't want to see a, a statement from um, the Premier League saying, we 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 observed due processes. I want to see them sit down with somebody, you know, preferably from the trust actually. You know, I it'd be a fantastic story for the Chronicle. I'd love to be the person writing the story. I'm sure George would love to write the story as well, get Richard Masters one-on-one. But I actually think it should be the trust. I think you should sit down with the trust and it should be open, minuted, transparent, um, and answer the questions of the supporters. Not not a statement. You know, I know that's been mentioned today. Boris Johnson's talked about statements. It shouldn't be a statement, it should be questions answered by the supporters if there's nothing there to hide what would be the problem with that um and uh, you know from the chronicles perspective I, I just pledge that we will get behind the trust in their in their ideas we will listen to supporters you know i know we've we've, we've run our big team survey and we've got um we've, we've asked for people's points to be made to richard masters as well so i think there'll be some pressure applied over the weekend as well but you know it's working is what is my is my sort of message, message and keep it up it's an easy story for us in the media to tell um, Newcastle United fans finally being united behind something, and we can get into the other things later on. But for the but for the short term, we need to see the Premier League actually sit down and, and have a meaningful dialogue with Newcastle United fans.
2: Great stuff, Mark. Thank you very much. I think uh, I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen Mark say on Twitter that this has been the most difficult story that that he's covered. And I would, uh, I, would, I would certainly second that. And um, it, is, it, hasn't, it hasn't been a fun process. And the reason for that, um, just, to, just to sort of interject briefly, is that you have different parties saying absolutely 100% contradictory things. And at a time when we have very little uh, facts or very little public statements, it's very, very hard to, to try and draw a path through that um that's not an excuse for inaccuracies but um it's a just a bit of context that i wanted to make so uh thanks very much mark appreciate that and we are going to try again to go to mick martin from true faith and we think we found him we think he's unmuted mick are you there oh dear don't think mick's there we have found him. We do have him. We know he's here, but I certainly can't hear him. Are you there, Mick? No. Okay. So we're going to go back to. Um, we'll go back to uh, the uh, to the people we've asked to to join in the discussion. Um, and next up, we have. And I truly apologise if I don't get the pronunciation of your name right uh vaibhav Petalia, is that right and are you on the line
10: uh yes george hi uh hi. so i am vaibhav from india uh, i have been a fan for almost two decades i've never really seen uh a passionate uh, fan base and united as one in the last two decades right so there has hardly been in a moment where in the entire fan base was so united, but my only question to you guys is: Is it a bit too late? Like, should we have done it a couple of months ago and have the consortium officially taken out the bid? Do P, do the Premier League have not have to do anything about it?
2: Well, thank you very much, and uh, hello to hello to you in India at. Always pretty humbling and amazing to uh, to to hear from fans around the world. Um, I mean, I can try and answer that question. I don't, but I mean, I don't, I don't know the answer is the is the as uh, the absolute truth. We know that the um, consortium have formally withdrawn their interest. That's what they said in a statement. Um, but we know that they're all still committed to the deal, as are the club. Um, so I can't really add a great deal to that. I don't know if anybody, uh, any of our other speakers want to, want to say something, but the point is, I think we I think we've just moved to a different phase, um, a different phase of the deal or the attempted deal. Um, okay. Um, does Alex want to say anything about that or... Yeah, I, I think from a
1: supporters' trust perspective, and, and that goes what Mark Douglas was saying there before. I don't think a lot of people on this call are, are asking for a lot, and you know, we're not, we're not certainly from a supporters' trust perspective. It's, it's not. We're not demanding they approve anything. We aren't demanding they even change anything yet, because we don't know what they've done and what's happening. But you know, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't take you know tens of MPs to get involved to get. Uh, an organisation like the Premier League, which George said at the very top of this conversation, relies on us to exist just to give us some answers. And even if they are going to disappoint us, which I hope that they don't, but if they are, as, as Ian said on the call, this has had a, a real impact on people's lives. Whether they work for the football club or whether they're just an interested observer, this this is a big thing. And, and for them to, to, to leave at 17 weeks, I mean, I don't know what decision takes 17 weeks ever and anything. And for them to not call yes or no, it does them damage. It does the Premier League damage. And, and we've been trying to speak to other supporters, trusts across the country, and we're going to try and get their support next week as well, because this isn't just about Newcastle United fans. Newcastle United this week could be uh, Aston Villa or West Ham or, or Wolves or whoever next season or the season after. And I don't want those people to go through what we've gone through. Um so we're really hopeful that this this transcends football and transcends transcends Newcastle United because it's about accountability at the highest level and that's what we don't have at the minute and um, I agree there with the, you know with the statement and the question that' it's, this is unacceptable.
2: Yeah and I'm just seeing someone on the chat there say that my answer doesn't make any sense and I'm fully aware of that and that is one of the problems that we've had uh, that we've had over the past few weeks and months that very little does they've officially withdrawn. Um, But it's still committed. And Amanda Stabley did say in the interview that I did with her um, effectively that if the Premier League give approval, they would come back to the table. So we're in this position where it's it's if anything, you you feel like you have resolution to something and actually you don't. But we've also seen the power of fans mobilising. We've seen the fan, the power of fans uh, asking for something which is transparency. And that is the point. There's been so much that we haven't known and don't know in this process. And it's about time that changed. Um, All right. So I would next uh, like to ask Graham Lindo to speak. Is Graham there, please?
7: Yes, I am, George. Thank you. Can you hear me? Can you hear you, Graham, loud and clear? Fantastic, mate. I'm I'm obviously. An exiled uh, Newcastle United fan living in in Whitby, North Yorkshire. Uh, Get get to every home game with season ticket with my son. Just a couple of things, really. Uh, First of all, I'd like to thank the NUST lads, Alex and Greg, and the rest of them, for putting this on with you, George. But more importantly, what they've done for the fans over the last sort of two, three months and bringing all this together, we are at a point where we do need some answers, that, that is 100% uh, what we do need, uh, one way or the other. Uh, I am a, a, an ally of the the rainbow uh, sort of hashtag, and, and I, I reiterate what was said about homophobic behaviour. It's not acceptable. But more importantly, um, my, my first point is, are we being pawns? in this geopolitical war between uh, Saudi Arabia and Qatar, you do sense at times that that we are. Uh, Is it acceptable to ask Amanda Sabley, PCP, and all the other partners involved in the takeover, that if the trust were given some sort of board membership, would that be something that the Premier League would have to look at more in detail? because we've actually got a fans trust on the board of the takeover. And finally, if the takeover is dead in the water, why haven't we seen no dis- disassociation between all the partners in Companies House? Uh, a couple of questions there, but but those are the things that I've got in my head that I'd like to see some resolution on if I could. So thanks, thanks for letting me ask the question, George.
2: Brilliant. Thanks, Graham. Alex,
1: do you want to do you wanna chat about that? Yeah, thanks, much I, I, I couldn't comment on, on what the Premier League would or, or wouldn't have to do. I mean, th- there is the very real question right now. I mean, the Premier League, seem to, according to the buyers, their issue is wanting to make the Saudi state a director because they want to be more clear on, on who runs Newcastle United. There's probably questions to be asked now about who runs Newcastle United and its current guys and whether the p- influential people at the club are are on the board because there's only Lee Charney on the board. I mean, that's a different... Different conversation for the Premier League for another time. In terms of the supporters' trust, you know, would, would we like to be, have a board position where someone elected from us, the members, could could represent us in the running of Newcastle United? Well, that would be a dream come, come true, of course. I mean, it's just a personal opinion of mine and it's a supporters trust directive. We think football clubs should be fan-owned eventually. Um that, that doesn't seem realistic anytime soon for Premier League clubs. I think lower down the football pyramid, it's very it's very realistic and it's happening right now. But um, you know, George read out um, Amanda's statement at the start. You know, I've I've had some correspondence with her by text, and she, she's um, she's very very positive about the supporters' trust. And I would really like to think that if they were successful with their the takeover of the club, that would have a great relationship with them. However, that may may look like obviously we would we would be we would be asking for a lot um, in terms of expecting a board position. Um, but that's probably something for them to comment on rather than me from a personal perspective as as long as we had uh, a genuine chance to influence um the football club in terms of them taking on board your the you the members your view on on a variety of things not just what happens on the pitch i think that would be a huge step forward and it happens by the way at several other premier league clubs right now there are lots of clubs that have fantastic um supporter um kind of board relations you know tottenham are, are a great example liverpool are another good one um, Aston Villa too, so it can happen. It's a shame it doesn't happen now with United Now I've spent the last eighteen months trying to make it happen with with some progress, not as much uh, as I'd like, but um, you know, it's it, it's a great point, and, and let's see what the future holds.
11: Thank
2: you, Alex, and thank you, Graham. Um, I think we're going to go to Christopher Argiris next. I hope I've pronounced that right. I have a feeling I almost certainly haven't, but I can see you there, Christopher, and unmuted, so away you go.
12: Thank you very much, George. Uh, Thank you, Alex, uh, to the Trust. Um, Thank you for hosting. Um, I would just like to say that we've heard a lot about Newcastle fans being demanding. Newcastle fans demanding Champions League. Newcastle fans demanding that you know, human rights and other things be be, be set aside um, and, you know, I spoke at the earlier thing back three months ago, um, not expecting to be here again now, but uh, I, w- I would just say I think that uh, the, the, the Premier League up until this point would not comment because while we say there's an a formal withdrawal of the parties, perhaps they haven't filed anything to the, to the Premier League and so the Premier League stance would be we don't Comment on a uh, uh, you know on an ongoing situation and everything is confidential between the parties. I, I do believe uh, that the pressure from the MPs and uh, from the fans uh, will put some pressure on uh, an idea that we do need clarification from Masters or someone at the Premier League to uh, not to say necessarily what the problems are, because that's, again, with the parties, but to at least say we've, we're still at an ongoing takeover situation, uh, but we're just waiting for more communication from the prospective buyers. Uh, Because I I don't know that we've had any, any formal notice. If, if, If it was over, perhaps the Premier League would either say it's concluded. We have no further remarks or, or there would be some breaking of the NDAs. I believe that's why we, we have gotten some statements or uh, movement from the parties so they can kind of come out of the uh, NDA process, state their claims about frustrations, put some outside pressure and then ask uh, for pressure from the fans. Um, but as speaking of, as, a, as a, someone who's obviously not from Newcastle, I, I firmly believe that this is, again, not just about the takeover of a football club, but it's really about the neglect and transformation of a region. Um, uh, I've I've always enjoyed coming up to the Northeast. Uh, I do understand uh, it is a a severe deprivation compared to some other, uh, I live in London um, and I I, I respect uh, that a lot of times the Northeast feels that London is uh, uh, not listening or doesn't have a voice uh, for Newcastle. I do believe that the fans here have a voice uh it's been incredible to have a hundred thousand people and northeast uh celebrities uh, to sign the petition and to push it out uh and i do believe that as far as what we can do keep on keep on doing what we're doing there's obviously going to have to be some concessions we're going to have to hear from the saudis that they've that they've unblocked B N. and as Master said let the right rights holders exercise their rights so i do believe yes, there's things that need to happen outside of our control in Saudi Arabia and perhaps with the MPs' pressure, based on how much dealings uh, the Saudis have in the UK already, that there can be some pressure uh, from the Northeast uh, MPs and other people to put pressure on the Saudis to not be able to solve a a Qatar uh, dispute overnight, but at least to be able to uh, put BN back on and then uh, the Premier League should have... Uh, be able to sort out the issues with who's the owner, who's a director after that. But I think if we sort out the BN issue, then uh, the Premier League should have smooth sailing to put it back on. Thank you. And I just want to say just one last thing. Sorry if people think it's inappropriate, but um, having spent a lot of time in the Middle East, especially Lebanon, I know there's lots lots of uh, incredible... Football supporters, including Newcastle supporters in, Newca- in in Lebanon and in Beirut. and I just like to say that we're we're thinking of that. Um, we know we compare our our, our struggles but, you know, don't compare to what what's going on there. And um, just to if you have a you know I'd like to see the same amount of support and cause for a football team uh, for our friends in the Middle East and for for Lebanon and for for Beirut. So thank you.
2: Okay, Christopher. Thank you very much indeed. Um, some some really great points there, and just one that i that I'll very quickly address about the about the about the Premier League. I think that's the point. I mean, for me, the most ridiculous thing about this situation, or one of the most ridiculous things about the situation, is that it's taken it to this. It's taken the takeover to fall through. Or fall through in its current guise. For anybody to say anything in public, apart from the odd oblique reference from the Premier League, apart from stuff that's being filed at companies' house or whatever, nobody has said anything. Now we know that football is a business, and it's um, you know it's bound by the same rules as business. But where is the understanding, or where is the recognition, that football clubs are community assets, and that football clubs really belong? to the people who care about them and love them. And that's, that's, for me, is the cause that is being fought for here. It's the cause of openness. It's, and I, I'm, I'm very proud of the words that Sir Bobby Robson said about what a club is supposed to be because I helped him write them. And I feel very passionately about those words. And that, and it, it's, it's about explaining that a club does not exist if there are no people there anymore. Because a club is a collection of people. And so there has to be a special dispensation for football clubs. And we have to speak. Football has to speak to supporters with openness, with honesty, with clarity and with transparency. Why not? We're all human beings. Why not? So that, to me, that is what's been fought for um, in this campaign and has um, and been done brilliantly. Thanks very much, Christopher. That, is, that was a great uh, a great point. And by the way, you also win Zoom background of the night so far. Tino rising like a salmon to mm-hmm. head of football. Um, right. Uh, I think we're going to go to Sean Taylor next. If Sean is
13: there, please. Hello. Hi, Sean. You got me? Yeah? Yeah, I got your you. You can too. hear me. Good. Um, it was just a couple of points, you know, that I that I have um, looking at the deal and, and the reasons for pulling out of the deal, there's a simple fact. And I think you just, you just said it prior to coming on the same rules apply in business that, um, you know, apply to the premier league. You can't introduce a mechanism that, that, that ultimately uh, restricts fair trade. Now, my only worry is that we have seen um, we haven't really seen any noises coming out of the camp that wants to buy. In terms of what the, you know what their plans are, or you know, do they believe that that's you know unfair or fair? It's a very very strange situation, and uh, you know I'm passionate about Newcastle, but we are becoming pawns ourselves within this. You know, we're doing a lot of the of the legwork to, you know, to get answers. But there's no push from the other side, Um apart from Amanda Stavely saying the odds, you know, support us, guys. It's a bit of a difficult situation because you, you pointed, uh, you know, before I came on.
2: Thank you, Sean. Yeah, appreciate that. Everything about it is strange, let's be honest. Um but yeah, take, certainly, um, certainly take that on board. I don't think. I mean, I think most people involved um, recognise that this is the most controversial um, takeover attempt that there's been in the Premier League for fairly obvious and clear reasons. Um, okay, I'm going to ask Dom Lyons to make his point next. Are you there, Dom?
14: Hi. Uh, yeah. Can you hear me?
2: Can hear you, Dom. Yeah, nice. Shirt. Yeah.
14: Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, I just first of all like to say once again what others have said. Thank you again to the Sports Trust because what they've done is you know amazing. You know their voice and ours together is much much louder, and we know that. But um, kind of two points really to go back to the point that you mentioned about the buyers go only going back once they've been given approval. But you know the Premier League can surely just stand there and say nothing they they don't need to at, at the moment as far as we know there's no bit on the table so why would they need to come out and you know say yeah this can go through essentially uh, that's the first point and then I would like to also say I think Steve Rafe mentioned it on Sky Sports when I saw that earlier about the possibility of Mike Ashley coming together and and the sellers as well as the buyers coming together because their their voice you know to the Premier League is a lot louder than ours you know we mentioned about tire kicking you know I'll kick as many tires as I have to but if I am kicking it and nothing is being done on the fans perspective for what we are doing to make a difference then it's not it's, you know a lot of people are going to give up and I don't want that to happen I don't want any any of us to give up and it just to uh, be brushed under the carpet and next season starts and you know rinse and repeat for the next summer yeah yeah that's
2: a that's a very good point don thank you very much um Tire kickers has become become one of those uh, phrases that's been used a lot at Newcastle over the last uh, uh, decade. And if that was used about Amanda Stavely first time round, I I definitely remember that. In terms of what's going on behind the scenes, we don't know, just as we haven't known throughout a lot of this uh, process. But to repeat what I said earlier, I think it's moved on to a different dimension now. Whether there's any realistic possibility of success in that or not, I don't know. And, um, you know, we'll have to see, we'll have to see how, it, how it moves forward. But I'll repeat, I think the cause of transparency from the Premier League and asking uh, for answers from the Premier League is a very important one and a very noble one. And again, if, if the only thing that comes out of this is Newcastle fans speaking with a united voice when it really matters, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. Um, I would now like to ask Keith Allen uh, to make his point, if Keith is there. Are you there, Keith?
11: I well, am, guys. Thanks. Um, there well, you are. and George. Can you hear us? Yeah,
2: loud you and clear, Keith. Thanks. You can,
11: yeah. Um, I've enjoyed today. I've enjoyed the, the listening to the questions, the comments, and the, and the talks, and Quite astonishing what's been happening in, over the last week. Um, it's a credit to the casting supporters, you know. But at first, um, when after Thursday, the, I was a little underwhelmed by the, the ambition of, of what we were after was merely a, um, a statement of a transparency. And to be perfectly honest, we've we'll we've had a little transparency from Amanda, from Amanda Stavey, which she shared with you, George. And what she did share was quite concerning, um, where she was alluding to some sort of malpractice and kind of exclusion, uh, interference from member, sh- member clubs of the Premier League to mock the deal, to, to, in fact, reject the deal. And... Um, and the Newcastle the City Council, the, the chief exec, has gone one stage further and asked uh, you know uh, to to have the um, the buyers invited back in a compromise solution sort. I wouldn't ex- the inviting the, the the PL to give a statement could be quite self evident and just say, well it's negotiations were ongoing. The buyer uh, withdrew, so we now consider this to be closed case. Now there we we'll have had our answer. Regarding transparency, the can't give a blow-by-blow blow account of how the, the logistics, the, the transaction has gone on over the last 17 weeks. I would imagine, for legal reasons, in the fact that quite likely it's a confidential process. So I would have, I would have hoped that the first stage of our strategy is to get a statement, is to get some clarity, is to get whatever transparency is needed. But then I would have thought we would have then a second stage to the to the strategy, which is the campaign to have the the um, the buys and by the back to seek a compromise. Because I doubt if there is malpractice, if there is some form of behind the scenes cartel operating within the Premier League. They're hardly going to make that um, admission in a statement, and they're going to do the best to hide it. Because if there is, a, you know, I don't want to exaggerate and, uh, and give false allegations, but if if, if there is some, some form of malpractice, it's quite a serious issue, um, which goes deeper than the Catholic case. I'm um, just interested in your comments on, on what I've said.
2: Thank you very much. Okay, I think I'm going to ask uh, Greg from the Trust to to make a few general points about that. Greg, are you there? Thank you, George. I think one of the interesting things about what I've
5: seen and what we've seen uh, over the last week, really, in terms of the cross-party call for support on clarity, and it's been important, as Alex said at the beginning, that our our ask here was for transparency and clarity. And we did say in that statement, the Premier League might have very good reasons why they need to... uh, reject this takeover and if they should they should come out and say them and they should make that very very clear but if I was at, sat- sat at the Premier League not right now in Richard Masters shoes I would be very very worried and I would be very very worried about what's coming down the line in terms of much needed football governance for football as a whole and exactly what we've heard from 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 various people around the, the need for supporters and, and George referenced that wonderful Bobby Robson cl- quote um, that he helped write about you know what is a club and I think you know Fundamentally, um, long beyond this takeover, actually, the pressure is going to come down from our elected representatives and from government and from fans and from other clubs and other organisations for fundamental root and branch reform of how football is run uh, in the UK. And that's—I'd be very worried if I was in the Premier League right now on that point.
2: I think there's a—you know—there's a there's a point to be made about what we've seen in football in the Premier League over the last few months as well because of lockdown. We've seen football come back without fans. And for me, it's been incredibly difficult to watch. It's been very difficult for me to engage with. And it's it's reminded me, if I needed that reminder, and I didn't because the stuff I love about football is the mess and the noise and the daft stuff, that fans are not just part of football. They're the essence of football. And so, again, if... If, if what's happened over the last few months in terms of lockdown proves that, certainly what's happened over the last few months in terms of Newcastle show that. They show that to me absolutely loud and clear, that we have to start speaking to football fans with a human voice and a real voice. There is nothing to be scared of. There's nothing to be ashamed of. I don't understand why Newcastle, I think Newcastle are probably the worst culprits in the Premier League, can't speak to their own supporters with... a the voice of just a human being with empathy and with sympathy and with understanding. That's what I want. There may very well be perfectly good legal reasons at the moment why the Premier League can't say anything. But because this is a process that football has allowed uh, to develop and be put into place, that's what we have to live with. And it's not good enough. And we don't have to. And so we can push to change. And Newcastle fans have done that absolutely brilliantly this week. Um, I think we're going to go to... To, I've lost my place. Are we going to Jim Greenstead next?
10: Hi guys, can you hear me?
2: Hi, Jim. Yes, we can.
10: Hi, thanks very much. Just, um, just wanted to say thank you, George, for your reporting throughout this whole thing, and thank you very much to the supporters' trust as well. You've done absolutely amazing things. My, it's less of a question, more of a comment, I suppose. Would like to get your thoughts. Um, Just so if we're, I I suppose the end game here is that we're all hoping that the Premier League come out and make a comment. Um, And that will be as to why the takeover wasn't approved or declined. Um, So I I suppose it's the end game here that the Premier League come out and say this is why the the deal wasn't approved. And then we can have Amanda Stavely, the Rubin Brothers. Uh, the investment fund who ever come out and say, actually, that's, that's false or that's, that's not true. Or so what's, what's the, um, what's the next steps here? What are we looking for from the Premier League? Because they can't come out surely and just say, again, this is a confidential process. Um, I just, you know, they they have to give reasons. It's now gone, to, gone through all these incredible MPs who've, who've, um, Written letters to them and stuff. So, so there will be some sort of comment. You, you'd assume. Um, so, what's what happens there is that is it then a fight in the public domain or or, uh, yeah? I'd just like to sort of get a get your opinion on that. What, what the next steps are. Thank you very much, by the way, for letting me ask a question.
2: Thank you, Jim. Thank you so much, and thank you for the very kind words. Greatly appreciated. It's a good, it's a great question. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if Alex would like to say a few words about that. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Um, it, it is a
1: really interesting question, uh, you know, in terms of if, if we were to get what we want and some transparency and some, some answers, what, what that means and what happens after that. I think from um, from the buyer's point of view, and certainly um, when I spoke to Manus Davey, th- there is there is a like, lack of understanding on their side about this as well. It's not like there are hidden answers out there that the buyers or Mike Ashley have got that, that, that we don't, they, they don't understand why a lot of these things have happened. Um, the, the breakdown of, or the supposed breakdown that came out last Thursday was the, was the um, requirement that the Saudi state become a, a director of the club because the, the Premier League say that they're not sure who actually, would actually own the club. Now, if this process has been going on 17 weeks, one of the good answers to get from the Premier League is, is why, why now? Why has why that come now? Why wasn't that asked at the start? I think I'm pleased you said the term confidential process there because both Mike Ashley and the buyers have have basically blown that out of the water with their comments. The only person this is confidential to now is the Premier League. Um, That has gone, that confidentiality. Um, And, you know, the Premier League, what a real opportunity here to to come out and give some answers. And and, and even if it's bad news to let us all move on from this... um, I think, I think a lot of accusations and fans would quite naturally think, why not just fail it? If, if they're not suitable owners, fair enough. I, I want, and I mean this passionately, I want the Premier League to have stringent tests to protect our football clubs. That is the correct course to follow, and they should be applauded for that. You've seen, most of you will have heard about Wigan in the Football League and what's happened there. Um, I'm not going to say too much on that because, because it's not why we're here. But that is a scandal, and, and you've seen some of the things at other clubs, even clubs down the A19 potentially, not far away in terms of, of who's bought them and, and the intentions of these people. So I, I fully support the Premier League. But the, the, even as someone who absolutely supports the Premier League, why not just fail the, the test? It, it 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 gives credence to conspiracy theories, the silence. It gives credibility to the idea that, that some people would say, not, not me because I don't know enough about it, they can't fail them because because they haven't failed the test that you know they've. they've Amanda Stavely said in her interview with with George and his piece in the Athletic the other week that they've done everything asked of them. The buyers the buyers have come out and that's a that's a bold statement to make when you're a you know public people like Amanda Stavely and the Rubin brothers if you're coming out and saying we have done what was asked of us and the the, the public investment fund have done what was asked of them on piracy. To, to, the you know it's up to the Premier League now to come back and say well no you haven't. That's 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 a lie, that's not true. And and that's you'd think that was a fairly simple and easy process for the Premier League to do, to come out and say, We are failing this consortium, they are not fit and proper to only Newcastle United Football Club. And here are the reasons, and I guarantee you, everyone on the call and every member, if they were to do that and those those reasons were sound, that kind of transparency and accountability, it would be very hard for us to argue with that. Um that I don't think that is a lot to ask for in terms of the future of our football club, the fact that the Premier League, I mean, I think 17 weeks has been bandied about, it's probably 18 weeks now. Um, after 18 weeks, still doesn't feel able to do that and still hides behind a clearly debunked process of confidentiality. You know, there are so many questions from this and there are so few answers out there. that, that but ultimately, that's what we're looking for, those answers. I'll say it again, the message of the supporters' trust is not approve the sale. I would like to see the sale approved with the limited information that I have as a fan. Right now, there are quite clearly, and quite possibly, things that aren't in the public domain. But to be blunt about it, again, Amanda Staveley picked up the phone to George and then to you, the members, of the supporters, trust that that's that's quite a, a willingness and an openness to communicate. Premier League could do the exact same thing. It's like Mark Douglas said earlier on the call. You know, my phone never gets switched off, unfortunately you know, they could speak to you, the member of the supporters trust, any time they wanted. And we are willing and open to communication and, and non-judgmental. Um so one side's doing it, why why won't the other from a Premier League perspective? And that's all we want.
2: Yeah, it's a very good point that Alex. I mean the, the owners and directors test is there for a reason. And we want we we should want that as fans that test to be as rigorously applied as as, as possible. I mean, I, that is a good thing. And if the end of that process, uh, an attempt to take over a club, is rejected, then again, surely that's a good thing. I mean, it might not feel good at the time, but if, if according to those very strict measures, the, the people who've applied can't pass the test, then that means they shouldn't be the owners of, of a club. That's not happened here. What's happened here, according to Manda Stavely, is that... They've been asked for something that they feel they can't deliver, but that the Premier League have said to that that they won't give them an answer either way. Now, those, are, those were her words. That they're a version of her words, that it would just drift on and on forever. And that's what they felt was intolerable. Now, she has said things, um, some quite incendiary things, and she said them on the record. They're there to be shot at. They're there to be disproved. And it shouldn't be too difficult for the Premier League to do that. And Alex said, if once once others have uh, have commented publicly, surely the Premier League can, and again, a wider point, a bigger point, it just doesn't have to be this way forever um, or it shouldn't be. Um, thank you, Jim. Um, now I'd like, uh, like to, we'd like to hear from Adam Barak if you're there, Adam. Are you there?
15: Uh, so I am uh, good evening, and uh, thanks everyone for the support. Um, on the campaign and uh, uh, I know uh, we've been trying to get Mick Martin on tonight he hasn't appeared but he's been writing some really good stuff so thank you for him as well. Um, I know that we've been talking mostly up till now about the process and the transparency or the lack of it um, but what I'd like to talk about a little bit is improper decision making by the Premier League regarding whatever level of transparency they might be. 17 weeks They've been talking about the Newcastle takeover. And I think if it had been a Liverpool or a West Ham, it would have been five or six or seven weeks. Uh, I don't get that the piracy piracy issue is really what's driving this. I think that's an excuse. And I think it's being used because there is a cartel of the favoured few at the Premier League, and we're not on the top table, guys. And I, I keep coming back. And Alex mentioned before that conspiracy theories will live in a vacuum. And what Keith said before about the cartel... I know a lot of us have been talking about it, and I just don't think that the suits in the Premier League should be allowed to effectively make these sorts of decisions for two reasons. One, we're talking about hundreds of millions of pounds of inward investment into the northeast of England. That is not within the remit of the Premier League to say yes or no to. And secondly, we've got the Premier League effectively arbitrating between a trade war between the Qatari state and the Saudi Arabia state through what they're doing here with the Newcastle takeover. And that is not within the remit of a football authority. So we keep coming back to the process and asking for transparency. I think we can ask for transparency as much as we like, but whether we'll get honesty is a different thing. And I just wanted to make that point. Cool.
2: Thank you, Adam. Appreciate that. Um, At the moment, it looks like we've got seven more speakers booked in so I'm gonna try and try and get uh, try and get through as many as possible. Uh, do we have Dunil Baines? Do we have Dunil Baines? I hope I pronounced that right Dunil, are you there?
7: I- I'm there. G- g- um, g- good evening, George. Can you Hiya. hear me? Hiya yeah how-, yeah, how are you doing? Yeah. Just one thing I'd like to ask.
6: Who who Obviously we've got a board on the Premier League, but who has the final say on the takeover process as in yes yes it's passed no' you can't who 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 ultimately makes that decision all right thank you well I think that's the
2: premier League that's the Premier League board would would do that i mean they um lawyers would work through the finer details of the of the of the documents, and then it, it, it effectively goes to the to the Premier League board. That's my understanding. Um, okay, we yes, go on.
6: Yeah, so really, it should the, the uh, whole process sh- should not be influenced by any other members of the Premier League,
5: for example, other clubs, etc. That shouldn't happen, should it? Really?
2: Um, so that's That's a reference to to the claim that that uh, yeah. that was made about uh Amanda Staveley saying that that at least a couple of other clubs uh who were who were named um that have have expressed their displeasure or attempted to influence the the process again that's another claim which is pretty incendiary and you would think would demand a response uh from the Premier League, but as of yet. That hasn't that hasn't happened, and again, just to just to uh, just to reiterate something that I think I think Alex said is that in this vacuum, what has happened? Well, what has happened is it's been it's been filled, and it has been filled increasingly with conspiracy theories. It's been uh, filled with speculation, and my industry has played a part in that. And it's gossip, and it's hearsay, and that is what happens. When you don't have facts, and you don't have information, and you don't have communication, and so that again is 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 something that doesn't have to be that way, and it's something that can change, I think, fairly easily. Um, thank you very much, Daniel. Okay, can we have uh, can we have Matt Wright next, please? Hi, everyone. Um, Hi, yeah, thanks again,
5: everyone, for uh, for putting on this. Um, on this forum and and kind of giving everyone a voice and, and kind of discussing it uh, amongst us all. It's really good. Um, so I just wanted to kind of ask a couple of questions. So has there been any fallout from the AGM on Thursday? Um, was, was this issue raised at any point um, and discussed obviously at that AGM? Um, would the realistic next step come from Mike Ashley going down that legal route and possibly challenging this, due to the length of time that this has this has happened, and do we know if that's if that's something in the, in the pipeline that's coming coming out?
2: Uh, yes, Matt. I mean, you're asking kind of very specific takeover-related questions there, and I, I'm afraid I just don't have the answers to those um, to those questions. So I'd, I'd I'll apologize for you. I don't know uh, to you. I'm not sure if anybody else would want to to speak about that. I mean I think really I hope that the sort of the the point of of tonight's only from my perspective is to is to is to press for answers to questions like that and is to press for clarity and to press for transparency. And how do we do that? Well we do that by making as big a noise as possible. And I think that's what's happened this week. Um um, I think Alex actually would like to say say a word about the AGM.
1: Yes, Matt, you'd, you'd really really hope, wouldn't you, that, that one Premier League club made a massive noise at the AGM and that's the case. <laughs> <massive noise. laughs> um, we only should have just filibustered and not let them talk about anything until they approve the sale. But I don't think that happened. Um, it is a good point though that this this annual general meetings come about for Premier League clubs, and 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 what what do we know about it? Very little, apart from the fact that they've not, not, not going to have five subs next season which is good for Rosenauer in squad but um, I think it's just another example of lack like, of transparency isn't it like Premier League's annual general meeting what happened <laughs> like, we, we don't know so it's, uh, it's a good example of, of what the problem is
2: yeah good point Alex um, okay have we got John Little ready to speak to us are you there John hey, can you hear us yeah I got you John My nice shirts thanks very much um, thanks for setting us up and
4: Alex is doing a great job as chair so thanks very much and hopefully you'll be there for a long time um, I think we need to be realistic here about the Saudi um, interest uh, I, th- I think that they've got a bloody nose I think they've been humiliated and dragged to the mud by the Premier League uh, I think unless the Premier League go begging a uh, Captain in hand they'll not be back so George obviously you speak to Amanda quite often is there any chance at all that this could be restructured where it's her and the Rubens only and if so, why not? Because it's not like they're short of a few quid.
2: Uh, thank you very much. I mean, so I've, that's the kind of question that I have asked, and um, John. But the way it's put to me is that they're all committed to to this, you know, to this deal. And clearly, it's not as easy as just walking away and going back and you know finding three hundred million quid and and paying it, and that's that. It's taken months and months and months. For this deal to be formatted in the way it is, and um the Saudis have been on board since I think it's November. I'm sure somebody can correct me because that's a matter of public record um but this this version of Amanda Staveley's deal has been on the cards, or she's been attempting to sort of get it together for at least fourteen months since. Benitez was still manager, in actual fact. And there's been you know, various moments during that time when they thought they were going to make a headway. But for them, uh, from their point of view, it's the Saudi interest that's, a, that's the game-changer in terms of the financial backing, and that's that's obviously very clear. So I've, that, I've asked that question about the Rubin brothers, who are fabulously wealthy, we know that, um, but they're committed to this deal. They're committed to the way this deal is... Is formatted. I can't remember what your other question was. I'm sorry. Are you still there? No, you're muted. Sorry. Did I did I did I answer that fully? I can't remember.
4: Yeah, I mean, sorry. the point was that the uh, obviously the Saudis are uh, very uh, proud, and I, I just I just don't think that they are going to come back and, unless the Premier League go begging. Um, oh, okay, yes, sorry. Um, but I mean, what I know that you're saying that it's been structured this way, but surely the Rubens, the way they've talked and the statement that they made, they know the potential of the club, they know the potential of the area. Surely, I mean, they mean, they want to invest.
2: Yeah, I just, as I say, I, the, the commitment, the very, very strong commitment from everybody that I've spoken to around it is that they're all committed to this consortium, this group, this bid, and the structure of this bid. That's you know, they have their own reasons for that. I mean, uh, the Ruben brothers might be. Uh, fabulously wealthy, they might not fancy losing a lot of that wealth by investing in a football club, which quite often happens. And um, so, that's just not that's not on the cards at the moment, is what I'm told. Um, and in terms of the the Saudi element, yes, I think it's it's very clear that although all the group agreed about the withdrawal, all all the all the members of the group signed. Sign their names to that document. It was very much PIF led, and um, so the way again, the way it's been put to me is that um, everybody is still committed to it. Everybody still wants to do it, but it would take the Premier League effectively giving approval for the for the Saudis to kind of come back. And so that's why I say when I say we're in a different phase of the of the of the deal. That's that's what I mean. They're, they're committed to it. They want to do it. But it's going, to take, it's going to take movement. Now, at the moment, that feels like movement on behalf of the Premier League. Is that all likely? I don't know. I just don't know. Um, thanks ever so much. That's a great point. And thanks for, really, thanks to everybody who's joining in and contributing. Um, next up, we've got, uh, we've got
16: Steve Binks. Are you there, Steve? Hiya, George. Yeah. Um Hi. So first of all, thanks to everyone for setting this up. I think it's, it's fantastic, as was the, the previous one of these that, that we all did. Um, I think what I, what I'd like to talk about is what the future holds. Um, assuming that the Premier League continue their, their trend of silence, really. So I think as, as a fan base, we are fantastically united at the moment. And it's great to see. I, I'm, I'm so positive. Um, about what, what we're doing as a fan base at the moment. But I think we need to prepare for the worst. And I think we need a bit of a, a roadmap of steps on what, what is next. You know, it's great that the, um, petition's doing so well. It's great that MPs are involved. You know, is the next step trying to get other clubs, fan bases, national fan associations involved, trying to back this, show that it's, it's more of a Newcastle issue. It's actually, a, a non-sexy Premier League club issue. You know, this is a Burnley issue. It's a Leeds United issue. It's, it's you know, all of those things. Um, and I think we should, you know, start to plan out what that roadmap looks like all the way up to, you know, protests. I know we've had some, some of our colleagues um, outside the Premier League this week. You know, we, we've got to assume that the Premier League are going to continue to treat us with the contempt that they've shown so far. Um, and it would be great to have a, a plan and to show them that we're serious. You know, this is not going to go away and engage with us now before it gets worse for anybody um, would be would be my, my point. And I would I would love to engage the fan base um, on that. Um, and that's all, all I really wanted to say. But thanks, guys. I think this has been fantastic.
2: Thank you very much indeed, Steve and is that a Eurovision Song Contest T-shirt you're wearing? That's the big question we're asking. It is great stuff. Um, nice one T-shirt tonight. the night. Um, okay, I'm going to go to Walid Khalid next, please. Are you there, Walid?
6: Good evening. Uh, Good evening. Hello. Yes,
7: please.
6: Yes, uh, I am Al-Waleed from Saudi Arabia, uh, from uh, one of the broadcasters of uh, LW. Newcastle show I just become I'm proudly to say that i am just become a member and then asked my question is isn't weird the Bremer league didn't comment or say anything at all especially this week also the lets says or mention something in the soci- social media except the Bremer league thank you
2: thank you thank you very much for league Lead and thank you for for joining. Um, yeah, well, that's the point of what we're talking about tonight, really. Um, the 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 events of last week uh, are about asking the Premier League to say something. I don't know if if, if Alex um, if Alex would like to say something about that, but but that is the point of of, of this campaign. Are you there,
1: Alex? Yeah, definitely. And, and um, i Thanks for thanks for joining the trust. Honestly, it. it Every time a new member joins, we get such a buzz off it, and it's it's so fantastic that we've got members in Saudi Arabia now and across the world. And you've you've actually seen in this campaign that we've been running that you know, the, the effort outside of the Northeast has been massive as well. The Northeast of England, um, you know, to have you know the likes of Rishi Sunak and Swela Brahman having to reply to their constituents, not back in the cause, but saying you know, we understand what is going on. We're aware of it. These are important people. Um, that's what we're trying to do. And just, I just really want to quickly make a point to Steve before who, who asked about, um, you know, other supporters' organisations and, and national bodies. Yeah, that that is very much the plan. We, you know, we we have to try and convince them. You know, I've, I've reached out to, to to various trusts so far, and, and we've also spoken to the Football Supporters' Association. So we're exploring every every aspect of this and, and I totally agree with you. I think Amanda said um you know she named those two clubs in a in a piece with George or George's piece with her. Um he wrote it, not her, um that that, you know, the Manchester City and Manchester United, for example, were, were absolutely fine with this deal, but but other top six clubs weren't. I think that's the kind of thing which really, really gets to, to fans and that's the concern, isn't it? And you know, you know, the clubs that she mentioned, I'm sure no saying fan would would blame the fans of those clubs or anything like that it's got nothing to do with them and 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 i i know that accusation concerns fans of those clubs as well so they share that um we have a lot in common far more in common with almost every fan of every other premier league club than we do the people who run the clubs or the premier league so so we certainly don't want to see any attacks on, on on them or anything like that um but definitely fan unity is important and um if if if, if we can work together to try and get the answers, then then it's got to
2: be done. Thank you, Alex. Thanks very much. Right, let me uh, see where we are. Okay, we're going to go to Malcolm Shields next, please. Malcolm, are you there?
17: Thanks, George. Yeah, can you hear us?
2: Yeah, I got your loud and clear.
17: Great, thank you. Just a couple of quick comments. One, just about the unity, how, how important it is. I was involved with the trust when it very first set up many years ago and um we were never able for for many reasons able to pull all the different fans groups together so this week um has just been fantastic and long may that continue and i would urge yourself george and mark douglas and other guys to keep telling the rest of the country how important that is and every single person who's come on this call it's massive that stick together please it's it'll really help massively um just a couple of quick points. Just to back up something John said and Adam said, uh, what you have to remember is what's going on in the background yeah, between Saudi and Qatar. I've lived and worked in Saudi. I've lived and worked in Qatar. And there are big issues in the background here yeah, that uh, unfortunately have affected us um, uh, indirectly and have come into this deal. Um, and that will continue for a long while because they've been at battle for a while. But be aware... The, South, uh, the Qataris are powerful people that have a lot of influence and they're having a big influence on this, I can tell you. Um, Greg's point about Greg Masters and the Premier League being afraid is e- exactly spot on. That's why they haven't spoke this week because they're scared. They don't know what to say. Every single email communication they've had from other Premier League clubs, from BN Sports, from anybody will all come out in the open if there's a legal challenge and they're scared about that. They're worried. These are the things that are affecting why the Premier League haven't said anything in the last week. Um, I, I, don't, I, I think that it looks like the Trust have had some good legal advice up to now. Uh, I hope that continues because if a legal challenge can be an avenue that is, goes down in the future, um, that we, we need to be able to support whoever does that. And maybe something for the future... If this impasse kind of carries on, um, there's quite a few people in the chat have mentioned this. Very difficult to do, but because we'll have a bit of unity, maybe some indirect pressure through cancellation of Sky and BT, money talks. And and if other people can influence the Premier League one way, I'm certain Sky and BT can influence the other way if they're going to suffer financially. So that, that's potentially that. But just carry on with the unity, guys. It's so important. All the fans, groups, stick with the trust and, and let's see where we can go. Thank you for the time.
2: Thank you very much, Malcolm. Yeah, very interesting points. And there have been, you know, moments over this saga where um, certainly just, you know, as a, as a journalist, I'm being questioned, asking, being asked questions about geopolitics, TV piracy, stuff happening in the Middle East, um and I felt hopelessly out of my depth, not for the first time in my career, I must point out, but it's been very difficult and it's been um it's been very it's been very wearing. Newcastle fans have a chance to control what they can control, and um they've done a fantastic job at that this week. Okay, so we have one more speaker from the floor, and that is Danny Rushton. Are you there, Danny? Are you with us, Danny Rushton? Not sure we have Danny. I'm going to ask one more time. Is Danny there? You. Yeah, I'm here, Oh, George. look at that.
18: Great. Go ahead, Danny. Um, it was basically just to ask the question that someone's already asked. It was about the uh, fan group coming together for obviously over clubs. Um but that's obviously all going be answered by Greg from the Trust, not Greg, uh, Alex from the Trust. But just to further that point, um, obviously you mentioned the FSA, the Football Supporters Association. Are they not in collusion with with NUST, but are they um, working on some form of solution to try and get other supporters' trust involved? Because obviously, it's not just Newcastle United that are going to be affected and its fans, it's football as a whole that's going to be affected by it because essentially if they're not going to pass this well if they don't want to make a decision regarding this then it's going to affect other clubs if, this, if similar happens to them so I think it'd be a good idea to try and get other clubs, other clubs fans essentially well mainly trust really but protest groups to get on board all singing from the same hymn sheet and basically put pre- apply more pressure, that's, that's, that, that was basically my point that someone reiterated earlier on as well, so kind of stung with yeah. thunder a little bit. but
2: No, that's a great point. It's a great point, Danny. It's That's something that I know that Alex will mention now when he, um, he starts to wrap up for us, but that is the point. I mean, I'm, it might not be very glamorous doing other clubs' work for them or doing the work for other fans, but... Nobody should have to be in the position that Newcastle fans have been in over the past few months. Anyway, I would, um, I would like to, to to call on Alex Hurst, again, the chair of the Newcastle United Supporters Trust, to say a few words in closing. Before that, thank you very much. I'll say a couple of words at the end. Um, but yeah, here's Alex.
1: Thanks, George. And first of all, I have to start by, by saying thanks to, to George for, for spending his, his Friday night doing this for the Trust. George has been a, a massive advocate for the Trust s- since I've known him, really. And uh, I think it's no exaggeration to say that we wouldn't be having this conversation here with our members now without you, George. So thanks very much for everything you do for us and uh, I long may it continue. Yeah, I see a few people raising actually a round of applause in the chat there, so that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so after that, that ovation for George, um, quickly have to thank Chi and her staff again who have provided this platform for us. Um, again, she's made it possible. Um, you know, for an MP, she's obviously the MP for all the constituency that St. James's Park and Newcastle United reside. I honestly don't think we could have have someone do any more than she does does for this area and for this football club. And uh, it was no surprise to see her leading the charge last week with calls of transparency. Um, and I'll quickly say thanks to, to Mary Glyndon as well for coming on. us. We really appreciate you coming on and speaking from the heart like you did. Um, to everyone on the call, and you know, you're a credit. I'm, I'm a constituent of yours, and you're a, a credit. The North Tyneside, um, the best of the the best of the counties north of the Tyne. And um, thanks again for, for your time. Appreciate it. Uh, to finish off quickly, then, um, Greg mentioned earlier the, the launch of the NUST Council. That's crucial for us. We we are desperate to, to get you involved more in how we run the trust. It is for you at the end of the day. It's not for me. It's not for Greg any more than it is any of you on this call. Whether you're in South Shields or Saudi Arabia, you know, we want to help you help us run the trust. Um, that means a lot to us. And you know, we we relaunched the trust kind of back in, in January 2019, the day after we beat Man City. Um under the previous manager, I'm not allowed to mention his name, apparently. But um, but uh you know, we had we're we pretty much started from a base of zero members and to get up to fourteen thousand in, in in the time we have, that just tells you how much passion there is out there amongst the mm-hmm. fan base. For four you know, representation, and that's what it's all about. Um, we we need you moving forward. You know, it's all about you. It's all about you as Newcastle United supporters. So I, I'd urge you, if you've got a mate or a family member who's not a member of the Trust, ask them what they're playing at. It's only a quid a year. The first thing thing we did when we came in was reduce it from £10 a year to a pound a year to make it more accessible to more people. And I'm delighted that's happened. Um, the the comment there at the end about fan groups coming together this week and we'll call this, this meeting that you've all... Been kind enough to jump on you know unite the fans unite the fan base um that that's meant a lot to me as someone who who for whatever reason you know has experienced what Mangum talked about earlier that for too often in the last 13 years the, the the biggest asset to to the people who run the club currently has been the fact that we haven't been united and unified with one voice and Um, I think it was Steve Ray said earlier, you know, we we don't all have to agree on everything to be part of one organisation that represents us as Newcastle United supporters. And we have tremendous power. We just haven't realised it. And we've started to show that this week um, in in, in what we're achieving. And and the job is far from done. And the story of the trust is far from, from finished. So thanks, everybody, for joining. I think you're all a credit to Newcastle United. We appreciate you coming on this call and giving your thoughts and giving your time up. And um, everyone at the trust is so 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 proud of all of you for for joining the cause and 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 trying to help the support and the people who who live in this region get some answers. It's a uh, it's a privilege to be to be the chair of this trust, and you know we're not done yet.
2: Lovely, Alex. Thank you very much. Um, I haven't prepared anything to 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 say at the end, but your contributions have been absolutely fantastic. They've been invigorating. They've been Um, intelligent I would just go back to what I said at the beginning that that a club is a collection of people a trust is a collection of people the trust is the club and the club is the trust and in many ways this has been a very very dispiriting time to be a Newcastle supporter but the last week has also been very very life-affirming in other ways so All I would say at the end is to say thank you again to everybody who's taken part um, and thank you to those people who've joined the Trust and thank you to those people who are already members of the Trust. Remember what's happened this week. Remember what you've done this week. Newcastle United, the clue is in the name. Thanks very much. Cheers.